Curiously Polar with Chris Marquardt and Mario Aguarona. Hey, hello and welcome. This is Curiously Polar, the podcast about all things very north and very south with myself, Chris Marquardt, and Mario Aguarone. Hi, Mario. Hi, Chris. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. You, um, you, we'll have to say where are you recording from because you're not in Tromso as usual. No, I am actually in Iceland at in, the moment, in northern Iceland. In northern Iceland. So I know that Iceland just just like almost touches or it, it touches the Arctic Circle just a little bit. So are you right above the Arctic Circle, right below the Arctic Circle? I say that I'm I'm right below because I'm in the um, I'm on the north coast of the mainland Iceland. Oh, Mario, and, uh, that, means, that means we cannot record because you're not in the Arctic. No, exactly. Oh, well, yes, in one way, I am in the Arctic. It is in the geo, well, in the thermal Arctic. Ah, we okay. are, if you remember the episode where we were talking about the I isotherm, do. the July isotherm, yes. well, this is more Arctic than Tromso, if you think about the July <laughs> isotherm. <laughs> this is like, like being in Greenland and you or told me Svalbard. That, and you told me that you're right in the middle of a snowstorm. Yeah, right now there is a big snowstorm, <laughs> so if you hear any tattering, uh, little ticking sound, it could be the snow on the roof or the window panes. And oh, I that. tried to move to the room downwind <laughs> in this little house, I'm on a farmhouse, uh, 20 kilometers inland, and um, but uh, you can still hear it, I think. All right, so yeah, let's let's hope mm. the internet connection keeps going. I've I've high trust in Scandinavian internet connections. Well, well, if I drop out, you know why, and well, send send the rescue team. <laughs> we hear a few little dropouts, but I think that should be fine. Let's let's keep our fingers crossed. So, the topic for this episode is the race to the North Pole, and uh, well, just just a bit of an overview on what the well, okay. When when why would people want to go to the North Pole anyway? Yeah, well, uh, I think that in in this episode we can we can talk in general about about things that have happened and uh, and why people would want to go to the North Pole and uh, and then have a, just a little overview over uh, who uh, which are the main uh, um, people, the main expeditions that uh, led to humans getting to the north pole and coming back i mean i would alive. i know why i would go to the north pole and that's probably just to be first like the first person climbing mount everest and the first person doing x y and z yeah and and that's it's exactly what what is driven a lot of the people that tried to go to the North Pole. I mean, the people that really made these expeditions in the in the 19th and 20th century, they wanted to be the first. That's that's definitely uh, what what has driven people to. Or, to go or there. is there anything super scientific that would be um, that would be very beneficial to be up there for? Well, yeah, there is. Um, well, first of all. Exploration and uh, is is something that is uh, that is fascinating. I mean, the explorers. There is a special breed of people, the explorers, and and, and they would like to to see by themselves new things, things that have not been seen by others before. It increases so, the horizon, literally increases the horizon. It, it literally increases the horizon, and of course, like in uh, like before, people began going north uh, 
it was difficult to know what North Pole actually looked like. And, uh, and even though there were uh, already calculations uh, that uh, kind of described that or postulated that there would be no landmass in the middle of the Arctic Ocean, uh, it was it was something to be proven, something to uh, to look f- at, and, uh, and and also what conditions we would have up there. And if your if your language your your uh, your your native tongue is English, there's a good chance you would expect, or at least think that there might be a pole or something sticking out of the ground. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's, the, that's uh, how it's depicted, the, right? That's how it's, <laughs> it's depicted very often, uh, mostly in children's books and things. But the North yeah. Pole, the North Pole, I've I have this picture in mind of this red, yeah, this red white striped pole sticking out yeah. of the ground, <laughs> sticking out of the ground, sticking out of the sea, because because I, I mean people people have explored the northern shores of Siberia and have like there are there have been explorations that have from land that have kind of seen that there was an ocean north north where the sun would be at midnight during the polar night the polar the polar summer during the midnight sun period so you you would see that the, there is something up there but uh, but then what? And uh, of course there is there can be ice. Of course, it's something that you want to go to in the summer, at least at the beginning, <clears throat> so well, that you are it, able to see something. Okay, so so in a winter uh, you would expect snowstorms and <laughs> not much visibility there. Well, <clears throat> in the winter you would uh, you would expect that uh, there is more ice. It's colder, right? And uh, that it's relatively dark because there is no sun shining so you would have the uh, the light that is reflected a little bit by the by the ice uh, from the moon and if but there is a moon wouldn't it be easier to get there like on foot on the ice as opposed to on the water yes and no because the ice is not is not flat um the uh, the problem with uh, with sea ice and and the polar basin is that there are lots of currents and uh, the ice actually uh, pushes plates onto each other so you have what what we call hummocks so stacks of pieces of the pack ice that go on top of each other and make ridges and make hills and valleys so it's and and actually quite jagged a territory so it's it's not easy to go and these are the the first people that tried to to go up uh, towards the north they found that it was not just flat ice which you could run on with skis or with uh, dogs with sleds and so so it's uh, it's a difficult thing and and then there are the cracks in the in the ice there is a current there are currents so observations have uh, been made already relatively early that uh, that the ice actually drifts eastwards or westwards according to where you are in the basin and uh, and and this means that if you go straight you end up not going straight because the ice takes you on one direction <laughs> or another you could also be taking you back uh, so you think that you are going forward but you're actually like uh, uh, going back okay so other back. other means of other means of getting there might be a bit easier so yeah. when when was but, but but sorry go, go ahead go ahead 
No, but to, to go back to the science, I mean, the, the science is, is also like uh, connected to, uh, to magnetism. So where is the uh, actual north, the magnetic north pole? We were talking about uh, that uh, earlier uh, in an earlier episode. Mm-hmm. And um, the oceanography, like where are the currents going and what is, what is happening? Is it deep down under the North Pole or is it a shallow sea? And all the all of these things, like description of the geography and of the geomorphology okay. and all the geophysics of, of the era, plus seeing other animals out there. Are the plants, are there, is there life out there? All right, so when did they... When oh, let's see when when did people first get there? When did they try to first get there? And well, how, of the, course. Yeah. Well, what we uh, what we we try is that we we, we usually say that uh, there have been expeditions that have uh, gone further and further north, and these are the expeditions that want to go east or west, north of the continents to reach uh, the east to reach uh, China. And um, and this is the Northwest Passage and Northeast Passage, and I think we'll do some separate episodes about these. And these we are talking about the 1400s, or like late 1400s, after the discovery by the Europeans of the American continent. <clears throat> we uh, we have pushes uh, for exploration going north of it, going north of the Americas, uh, going north of uh, Asia. To, from from Europe to go over to uh, to the Pacific, and uh, and so these are let's say the first expeditions that go north and uh, and explore, for example, the the Arctic uh, Canada, the archipelago, the Canadian archipelago. We have uh, uh, well in Italian, it, it was Italian, so I I would say Caboto, Giovanni Caboto, or John Cabot, that uh, tries the Northwest Passage. We have Jacques Cartier. Uh, some uh, almost a hundred years later, so in the mid 1500s, that uh, uh, travels north uh, in the northern Canadian archipelago, so uh, finds the Saint Lawrence River and uh, and and a lot of others. So we we are in the middle of the of the 1500s, where we start uh, really looking for what's what's north of the or North America. But um, the expeditions are not directed towards going to the North Pole uh, in uh, in in these uh, in these days. They are they're more exploring the the land and exploring the uh, and exploring the passages over to the Pacific, as I said. And uh, here we get also the uh, uh, the expedition of uh, of Barents. Um, that we would talk about a little bit more, and um, and Bering in the Pacific. But uh, but when we uh, when we go um, to uh, towards the North Pole, the first really expedition that was made to go north was Parry's expedition in eighteen twenty seven. So that was the first that was specifically targeted to get to the North Pole or just to explore yeah, he, he the wanted, North Pole? 
he wanted to it was a mix there had been put prizes for um from it was british and there were prizes for um going to finding northwest passage oh i see and uh, and so he's he's trying the northwest passage and he's trying a, a northern route uh as far north as he as he can and uh, and he goes and he, he wins this uh, this prize. Uh, there were a few few thousand pounds, and uh, and he he, dis- he goes around north of Baffin Island, into Lancaster Sound, in what now is called the Parry Channel. But he, he doesn't manage to go all the way, and and he's he records uh, the what is what at the time was the furthest north expedition. Um, that had ever been recorded by by uh, by Europeans, and that's uh, we are talking about uh, eighty two uh, degrees forty five minutes north, and uh, and that's uh, that's a very and he manages to come back actually, uh, <laughs> even, good though thing. He, even, even though he loses a ship because now all these uh, expeditions lose ships, but uh, he uh, also it was multiple multiple ships going up there. Yeah, there were multiple ships. Well, he has the Hecla and the Fury. He has uh, two uh, two ships in eighteen twenty four, twenty four, twenty five, I think, and um, and he uh, and he loses uh, he loses the Fury. Um, so he has just the Hecla, and um, yeah. So he uh, he manages uh, he manages to go north and he comes back to go furthest north he comes back he has a price and that's fine and there is nobody for about 50 years that tries again to do something similar uh, until uh, we have an expedition called the the polaris expedition by uh, an american <clears throat> called uh, charles francis hall we are talking about 1871 and uh, and he um, leads the expedition with uh, with this one ship called the Polaris. It's a uh, it's a steamer, so he has uh, um, both uh, at that time. Well, there was an engine, but the ships had also masts and, and sails. And uh, he reaches eighty two degrees twenty nine north by ship, which was a record. And uh, and he goes between Greenland and uh, Arctic Canada. And and goes up as far north as possible, and uh, and the uh, like the ship is uh, is damaged. He runs aground. He goes uh, on uh, on land near Ita in Greenland. That's a very uh, north uh, north one of the northernmost, if not the northernmost, village in Greenland. And uh, and the um, and uh, like uh, he dies. Uh, Actually, he thinks that he has been poisoned by the crew members, mm-hmm. and uh, he had actually ingested a large quantity of arsenic in in the last two weeks of his life because his body has been found in eighteen in nineteen sixty eight, and has been analyzed, and um, he was uh, so he like he had a, a lot of uh, important uh, uh, trips by by sledge. And uh, so he explores. He explores the north of Greenland, and uh, and that's that's going quite far north again. By the way, I've uh, while you while you talked about this, I have opened up a map here. I recommend everyone listening to this open up a map so you can kind of follow along where people went. 
Yeah, and and we'll put as usual uh, some some links in the in the study notes here, <laughs> and uh, so so um, we're talking about an expedition that that wedges the route between Greenland and Ellesmere Island, almost looking at the northern at the Arctic basin, like at the, the at the Arctic Ocean, and and has to come back, and some of his. Uh, some of his uh, ship's mates come back and uh, a, they come home and there is an inquiry, there is a controversy about uh, what happened and, uh, and it's, it's, it, it makes a lot of articles in the newspapers. And then when we uh, like going to the next expedition, just a few years later, we have what is called the Jeannette expedition by the uh, other uh, by another ship. The and let, me, let me guess, Jeanette is the ship's name. Yeah. Because <laughs> they seem to be named, I see, I see a pattern here. Yes, and, uh, and the uh, Jeanette expedition is uh, led by uh, George DeLong, and uh, he tries to get to the North Pole through the Bering Strait. So he goes um, in the Pacific through the Bering Strait, and uh, the importance of this is that uh, um, they they tried to see uh, like like they wanted to test this theory that there was an open polar sea, and that you could sail to the pole, but uh, of course uh, it doesn't uh, it, it, <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't match reality. The ship is uh, is taken. Um, is taken by the ice. Uh, it has a crew of 33 people that drift for two years, and then is crushed and sunk and sinks uh, north of the uh, north of Siberia. And uh, and along with these uh, 32 men, they go on a sleigh ride, uh, dragging some boats and uh, the, some some of the whale boats that they had on board, and and they manage to uh, to arrive at the delta of the Lena. And uh, and they they wander through Siberia <laughs> for weeks before they uh, some I mean a lot of people die, uh, but um, including the long, but uh, I think I think about a third survive and and come back and tell the story. But the importance of this expedition is that some of the pieces of the wreck of the Jeannette actually are found later. Uh, in Greenland, and uh, and Nansen, Fritjof Nansen, the Norwegian explorer, uh, which is a name I recognize. About, yeah, you recognize him, of course. He's done a lot of things, including uh, helping the refugees, and this is why we have the Nansen passport. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, but he um, but he is uh, is first uh, uh, and foremost a, a scientist and an explorer, and he has been in uh, Greenland. He has been exploring um, Greenland. Has been crossing Greenland on skis as a first person crossing the the ice cap, uh, the Greenland ice cap, uh, east to west. He has overwintered in Greenland, and he has he knows about this Jeanette expedition. He knows that. Um, pieces of the wreck has been have been found in Greenland and that the wreckage happened in Siberia. And so he uh, thinks that, uh, correctly actually, that there is a drift, uh, a current that takes the ice 
from, let's say, north of Siberia down to the Atlantic, north of Svalbard, uh, part of it. And so he, he thinks that you could, if you could have a ship, if you could go and put a ship in the ice in Siberia, like the Jeannette uh, went into the ice, but if, if the ship was strong enough to withstand the crushing of the ice, then the ice would take it through the North Pole. Like you wouldn't have to sail, you would be taken by the ice. You would be piggybacking, uh, piggyback riding the ice. That sounds convenient. And that's that's very convenient, isn't it? It saves a lot of resources. Yes. The problem with this is that you need to have a suitable ship, so a ship that cannot be crushed. And and that's, uh, I mean, nobody has ever <laughs> built one before like this. A crush and between, then, between ice, you mean? Yes, because when the ice moves, you have uh, terrible forces that are exerting uh, pressure on the sides of the ship. And, uh, and ships crush like the Jeannette did like many others before like the like the fury in uh, in Paris expedition and so so we have uh, we have problems that are technical there technical problems with uh, also with the fact that uh, it might take years uh, to do this to do this drift so you need to have also enough material on board food and repair material and uh, fuel to to keep warm and and you need to have also the right kind of people to go towards the unknown on something that has never attempted before something that you know that is dangerous because uh, the uh, the ice can crush the ship and you are in the middle of nowhere and uh, and maybe also in the middle of the winter because uh, this is a multi-year expedition so but, how, uh, how did you solve the problems? So uh, Nansen uh, asked the a famous naval architect called Colin Archer, um, Norwegian. Um, he, Colin Archer has is famous because of his uh, ship's design. Uh, the rescue boats in Norway at the time, they're all designed by him. They are boats that can withstand practically any kind of weather and they uh, they are servicing the fishing fleet they are sail sailboats uh, mostly and they have a double end so the the front of the ship uh, is like like normal normally like the front of the ship as a as a bow like it's is pointy and the end of the ship is shaped the same way as the front so the aft of the ship is shaped the same way that the at the front. So they're called double enders, and uh, and they take the seas uh, very well. And uh, and Colin Archer is uh, is a very skilled uh, naval architect. So he designs a ship that has an enormous strength with a, a triple coating on the uh, on the hull, with uh, some of the some of the uh, hardest wood that uh, can be found in order to to be able to uh, to withstand the erosion and the cut from the ice at the water level and especially it's built in a way that when the in the, the shape is made so that when the when the ice presses upon the sides the sides are kind of slanted uh, and uh, and the ship pops up like a cork. over the ice like a cork over the ice, like Amazing. if you take a if you take a, um, a pip from an orange under your finger, in between your fingers, and you press it, it will pop out. 
It will jump higher than the ship, I <laughs> it guess. It will jump higher than the ship, exactly. <laughs> so so this ship, and this is a ship that is visible in a museum in Oslo, in the Fram Museum in Oslo. So it's, it's the original Fram is there, and you can appreciate how, how so ingenious let me guess, the ship as is. It is. As it is in the museum, it made it back? It made it back, and not only, but it went on several other expeditions. Whoa. Because the first expedition, the Fram will see it, will go to the South Pole. It's a ship that Amundsen uses to go to the South Pole for his famous expedition. So when when he he beats uh, Captain Scott to the race to the South Pole, then he's used by Sverdrup, uh, another Norwegian who goes and explores the Canadian Arctic very far north and, and has a lot of interesting discoveries. So it's a very famous ship. And at one point, when it becomes too old and uh, superseded by newer designs, then is it's put into into retirement in this museum, and it's in very good condition in there, and you can visit it, and it's fantastic. But to go back to this expedition, because this is what we are talking about with the race to the North Pole, this is an expedition is, is ingenious, fantastic. In and in 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 1895. The Fram had uh, been uh, taken over north of uh, Norway and north of Russia, put into the ice by the uh, by the Siberian islands, so in the east of Siberia, and is drifting. And in April, uh, it reaches uh, well before April. Actually, it's in in March. It reaches a point where um, after couple of years they've been out there that the Nansen sees that it's not possible to that the ship goes to the North Pole the the ice actually is making it drift south of the North Pole oh. and 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 then he decides to uh, ask for a volunteer and uh, him and this volunteer Yalma Johansen uh, jump on their skis they take their skis, they drag some sleighs and the kayaks, and, and they try to go on foot to the North Pole. And uh, they say they wave goodbye to the ship. The ship continues. It comes out as predicted out in the Atlantic. And, uh, and the idea is that uh, the ship would go faster than they do on foot. Um, uh, they would then alert uh, some rescue party and they would come and pick them up in uh, appropriate location which was designated as the island group called Franz Josef Land. In a helicopter. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. No, well, they didn't, they didn't take that long to go and pick them up. But, uh, but uh, Nansen and Johansen, they go as far possible, as far as they can go, and they reach 86 degrees, 13 minutes north, and they are on their skis and kayaks and foot. Almost and this is, this is Almost. This is, this is huge because, you know, if you remember, the, the previous record was 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 eighty two twenty nine. Now we are eighty six thirteen. So and they, we and are they're shooting, of course, for ninety. They are shooting for ninety. So wow, this is really great. And so that's uh, that's that's a very interesting feat. And Nansen and Johansen survive uh, uh, the overwinter in Franz Josef Land. Um, and imagine, like, like after, like having to drag their kayaks. To eighty six thirteen, they they 
navigate on the ice down to Franz Josef Land. They arrive too late for the, because it's already the beginning of the winter, so they overwinter there, and they make a tent with the walrus hide, and and they sleep in the same uh, sleeping bag uh, made of of walrus blubber and 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 skin, and uh, and at one point uh, they also um, become. Uh, use instead of uh, they, they use the the uh, the uh, instead of using the polite form they can they can uh, they can say you to each other <laughs> oh 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 okay back <laughs> yeah. then in 1895 yeah, because, because that was not then, very you, usual yeah. it was not very usual to do this and and then they uh, they reach a um, a uh, an expedition that was on Franz Josef land uh, at the time during the next spring and they they get uh, they get rescued and uh, and they, uh, they come back to tell the tale and Nansen becomes a hero um, even more than he was when he crossed the Greenland ice cap. So th- that, was, that was 1895 on April the 3rd. That's the date of the furthest north until that time. And is there any any like uh, a proof that they didn't fake that? The two could just have agreed that they will say they were there? Well, Nansen was taking painstakingly the notes on his books and this is this is one thing that uh, the people have to come back with and and it will be a problem later uh, so uh, if you ever go to an expedition like this bring your notebook a pencil several pencils <laughs> and and, uh, and write down <laughs> and write down and several notebooks and write down your observations and these are the most precious things that you can bring back it's the observations of what you did and especially like nansen there he would have a, a, a compass um, not a compass a sextant mm-hmm. the compass would not work so he would have probably a compass, but he would have a sextant, and he would take astronomical observations of the of the stars, of the sun, and uh, and of course, when you are at the North Pole, the sun goes around the horizon and stays practically at the same height, right? Within a, a short period of time, so like within a day or two, they would have the same height. So if you if you do this, then if you do the, the if you measure the observation of the height of the sun over the horizon, as it goes around the horizon, because of course we are talking about the summer, then it would have a certain inclination. If you are not on the summer solstice, and and it would uh, it would go around perfectly, so you would. Uh, you would actually have a um, a proof of where you were by taking the measures of the observations of the height of the sun. Oh, I see. Back and somebody would be able to to uh, to control this. Some navigators will have to be able to control this because they're very, they're quite difficult to fake okay. <laughs> these these things. And especially if you take uh, observations of several, like if you can take also the stars, for example, and 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 the sun and, and the moon. But uh, but anyway, uh, so this is we are still not on the North Pole. <laughs> and, yeah, we were still uh, yeah, almost four yeah. degrees short of the North Pole. Yes, and uh, and we have been talking now for many minutes, so I better I better speed up if we want to <laughs> if we want to keep it in one episode. Just and this is just the overview. So imagine, but uh, another really big expedition which doesn't manage to do any other uh, explore other than. Um, than being very ingenious and very luxurious, but uh, ends tragically is uh, 
the uh, engineer Andre, the Swedish engineer Andre's expedition in uh, 1897. He, instead of using a ship like everybody else has tried to do before, he thinks that one would use, if one used a balloon, a helium balloon or a hydrogen balloon, um, he would be able to go over and fly over the North Pole and That'll get give there. you independence from the ice. And that would be like really not exactly as you're saying, like you are not bound to, to, from the ice to, to, to the ice. You can go further probably. And, and this is a period where the, where balloons are the future. And, uh, and he builds in Svalbard at Virgohamna in the Northwest of Svalbard, he, uh, a base, uh, he builds the uh, workshop to, uh, and the machines to pump up this balloon. He tries to do the travel. We'll talk probably more about it in another episode and he crashes, he disappears and he's lost to history. And hmm. there are several expeditions that try to go after him and try to find what happened, find out what happened. But uh, the uh, the sad story is that he doesn't come back, and uh, and the uh, the place actually now Virgohamna is uh, very protected. It's uh, very difficult to go and visit it. Where, where is, is that starting point? That's uh, that's uh, the northwest of Svalbard. Uh, it's called Virgohamna, ah, I see. and uh, it's on. Uh, uh the uh like yeah the no northwest corner practically also right. and um and you need to have a special permit because it's a very it's a very rich uh, area for um site for um for um all sorts of artifacts that were connected to this to this expedition and of course in svalbard everything that is um from before 1945 is totally protected um, yeah, so this is Andre, the Swedish engineer, his expedition, and he doesn't manage to do anything. So we do not even know how far north he has been, but probably has not been up to the North Pole. In 1900, we have an Italian, Amedeo di Savoia. He uh, is the brother of the king, is a Duca degli Abruzzi, he's called, and he is, uh, like many, uh, at that time, also the Prince Albert in of Monaco, he goes at sea and he has a ship called the Stella Polare, the uh, uh, polar star, and he tries uh, almost a similar expedition as, as Nansen, but without going on skis, and he reaches with the Stella Polare 86, 30 degrees north. So 20 minutes, almost 20 minutes, 17 minutes <laughs> north of what Nansen did. That's not a lot. It's not a lot, but still, it's a little bit more. Okay. And and this is, let's say, the last of the big sailing ships expeditions or ship expeditions that try to get to the North Pole without succeeding. In uh, 1908 and 1909, uh, like these years, we have two people that were friends uh, before in life and they become really great enemies in the or rivals in the discovery of the North Pole and it's uh, Frederick Cook and Robert Peary and they each return from their dog sleigh trip to the Arctic with uh, uh, the claim that they have been the first to the North Pole and uh, 
Cook uh, is uh, uh, claiming to have been there in April 1908 and Peary in April 1909. And, and do they both have proof? Yeah, well, and this is, this is a problem. And the problem is that, uh, <laughs> uh, first of all, the expeditions are not uh, lightning fast, so they get uh, back uh, to civilization almost at the same time. They they don't travel on the same route. There is one that goes north of Greenland, and the other one north of Canada, and uh, uh-huh. and um, and on their way back, um, they compete with information technology at the time. So they have to go to uh, telegraph stations from northern Greenland. They have to sail back and uh, uh, stop at the, uh, I think, at the Faroe Islands, or no, on, the, on the Shetlands, I think, for, for sending a telegram to, to, uh, to, to America. They are both Americans. And, um, and, uh, and they end up in a, in a big fight, a controversy, where Peary is assigned the discovery. Ooh of the North Pole and Cook is uh, like uh, is set aside. But the problem the problem that you were pointing out before is the proof is that the the problem is that uh, looking at the observations that uh, uh, like we have we have no proof by by the observations of what what happened because because Peary comes back with a diary they they both have been to the North Pole just with a one or two other persons with them, um, because the party at the beginning was big, uh, trying helping them with taking the uh, the uh, material that they needed for the expedition. But the last bit was made just by them and uh, a, a mate or somebody else, like one or two other persons. And and when they when they come back, Peary has a notebook that is practically or shows a notebook to the commission that examines his his proof that is practically new is well written there are no smudges of uh, of dirt or uh, like fat from the uh, food that they were eating they were eating some pemmican which is like a compact uh, muesli bar with lots of fat (laughs) and uh, walrus meat and other sorts of meat in there muesli yeah walrus meat muesli bar yeah really nice things (laughs) but uh, but so so his proof is not is not convincing but he it convinces the people at the time also because uh, cook's proof is not much better and cook goes to denmark because the ship that takes him back from uh, instead of going to the united states as Peary did, because Cook uh, is uh, has landed in Greenland and he goes back with a Danish ship, the Hans Eyl, that uh, is sailing to Copenhagen, and his proof is examined by the people, by the uh, people at the university, the geographers at the University of Copenhagen, that actually issue a statement which uh, reads that it, that it's uncertain whether. I mean, they cannot say that he has not been there, but they cannot say that he has been there from his proof. And of course, uh, um, from the other side, Peary manages to uh, lobby so that the information that is passed on the media in the United States is that actually that Cook has not been there, so that the proof, uh, that the proof is against them. 
and uh, and this is something that is taken up in 1968 so uh, a long time or was it 1968 or 1988 but uh, in any case much later um is um, is taken up uh, by a commission that that uh, examines the proof and they actually set uh, a big big doubt on Peary and and probably Cook um, especially his observations that are uh, of the ice and of the conditions are much more um, similar to to what the North Pole area looks like mm-hmm. than than Peary's description and then the fact that Peary's diary actually the original diary was kept secret until this uh, this re re examination in 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 the late oh, really? 1900s uh, by his family mm-hmm. and and then the re-examination really like checks that and 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 sees that this is a like it's a, it's a very neat very clean book that doesn't seem like something that one would have written on during a polar expedition <laughs> but uh, but this is also a big story that uh, we'll have to talk more in detail about and uh, we are almost there because uh, now these two guys they in at the beginning of the 1900s they do get the claim and they are acclaimed or a peer is acclaimed as the person who has been to the north pole but uh, there are several more people that would like to go because the controversy is still there. It's there already at the beginning, and so other people try to go there. So in 1926, we are, of course, after World War One, we have new technology, airplanes. We have two people, Richard Bird and Floyd Bennett, that get a Dutch airplane of the producer Fokker. It's a three-motor engine and they try to go to the North Pole with the uh, with this uh, Fokker airplane, and they don't manage, of course, to get there. And so the first people that get over the uh, the um, the North Pole with uh, with the um, uh, with the uh, like with a proof that they have been there um, is. Uh, the people that are on the airship Norge, the airship that uh, was built in Italy under the design and command of uh, Umberto Nobile, and on board we have a uh, we have uh, also Lincoln Ellsworth and uh, uh, Roald Amundsen, and these are big names, especially Roald Amundsen, because he has been uh, he, he will then be a uh, uh, famous for several other expeditions. Amundsen is linked to the Northwest Passage, to the Norge expedition to the North Pole, and to the conquest of the South Pole. And, and this, when you say they went over the North Pole, that's the the geographic North Pole. The geographic North Pole with the airship. They leave from Svalbard, from New Olesund, and I've been there. You have yes. been there, yes. And I can. <laughs> I've seen the mast that they left. Yes, from. you've seen the mast. You've seen uh, the the area. You've seen the the hotel, the house where Amundsen was staying, and and there's uh, even a museum that has a lot of information. And there even a museum there. Yes, exactly. And I can witness that you've been there as well. <laughs> and <laughs> in um, so this is uh, May 1926. On May the 12th, the airship Norge goes over 
the North Pole on from New Orleans is en route towards Alaska and it lands in the North American continent. And uh, and there is a, an indisputable uh, arrival on the North Pole. They don't go on land. It's bad weather anyway and it was not planned to, to land there. But they uh, let go of uh, a, uh, a cross from the Pope and a wreath and like the uh, flags of Italy and US and, and Norway and, and and it's so we we are pretty sure that May 12 1926 is the arrival to the North Pole for the first time yeah for the first time in in May 1928 Nobile goes back with another airship uh, um, an improvement on the Norge the airship this time is called Italia and uh, and he tries he has several expeditions out of New Olesund uh, there were lots of also scientific observations that he, need, he needed to go to do and he wanted to actually lower people on the ice on the North Pole but unfortunately on the fifth of these expeditions that he had planned uh, he, the conditions are bad um, there is also probably a case of fatigue um, in which he like from from the records of what had happened he had been probably awake for like 74 hours 78 hours so in bad weather with these conditions at the command then well everything conjures for um for an accident and uh, and the italia crashes on the ice and uh, this is uh, a uh, a major tragedy um People are sent for the rescue. The people, the survivors of the Italia, get rescued, including Nobile. And uh, in the rescue teams, among the rescue teams, there is also an airplane with uh, Amundsen on board. And Amundsen actually disappears and dies in probably in the Barents Sea, uh, crash down on uh, on the on the water in the, in the Barents Sea, and disappears. So, but but the airship Italia has also gone to the North Pole, but it doesn't do anything more than the Norge, so it flies over the North Pole in 1928. And so the next trip, and and now we are getting to the end of this episode, I suppose. It's well, when do we get then people on la- on the ice at the North Pole, and and this is strangely enough again by a ship but this time is is a, a u-boat oh. it's a submarine okay <laughs> and it's the uss ship u.s ship uh, nautilus it's a nuclear submarine and on the 3rd of august 1958 the nautilus emerges under the north pole and uh, and we have the first ship that actually comes over to the north wow. pole as far as i know and this is repeated the year after by another uh, submarine, U.S. submarine, the Escape. But but from then on, it's expeditions that are going also on the ice. Are go- the technology is totally different. There is also support from the air. Airplanes are much more performing, and uh, and the expeditions later there are a wealth of expeditions that have been there with icebreakers and things. And and nowadays you can get to the North Pole. Um, with uh, with an icebreaker for example with is without there, any problem is there nowadays is there tourism to the north pole there is tourism to the north pole yes there are uh, big uh, russian icebreakers for example the uh, 
60 years of victory that we started that we talked about when we talked about icebreakers which I is see, yes. a charter icebreaker for going over to the north pole and there are scientific expeditions that go out there it's it's still not the easiest trip and the and the uh it's not a trip to uh, disneyland it's it's not a trip to disneyland but it's possible and it's done regularly and uh, so from 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 the uh, beginnings in 1827 with Perry's expedition and the crashing of the of the of the ships uh, and uh, of the Jeannette for example in 1879 we have gone a long way so in a hundred years in less than less than a century the North Pole has been conquered and we'll have as I said go into details of some of these expeditions in future okay. episodes so this was a very short over a brief overview that took that about brief, 15 minutes it <laughs> was a very brief long overview I mean, no, it was really you interesting. Have like part one or part two. Yes. So, so we are in one of the next episodes. We're going to pick out a couple of these and look at them in more detail because I remember you told us a few things about some of those uh, while on the Nordlicht, and it was really amazingly interesting. So, I'm looking forward to getting some more details on some of these. Yeah, I look forward to telling you about this and all our listeners because uh, I think that it's not only the explore of going to the North Pole, but it's the, it's the stories behind all of this. It's the stories of the of Hall's uh, um, poisoning, the stories about Nansen and Johansen going on foot over <laughs> and, and Andre's expedition. All these have, have stories that are just fascinating. And you and being just, an Italian, you have some interesting uh, let's say you have some choice words about some of these explorers <laughs> <laughs> let's keep it at that let's just leave it at that for the moment uh, we, we leave we leave at that and i'll try to be yes. i'll try to be as impartial as possible <laughs> in spite no, no, of no, this is Italian. a this is a <laughs> podcast so um thanks everyone for being here uh thanks everyone for hanging in there I, it was really interesting i think it was let us know if it was we are at curiouslypolar.com you can reach us there and uh yeah give us some feedback let us know what you like what you don't like And we are going to be back next week with a bit more details. Until then, take care and of course, stay cool. Yes, stay cool. Stay cool.